0: So I just had a laugh. Deshaun Jackson
1: said, "I, I would have caught that to this day." <laughs> to this day. <laughs> I mean, I would have caught that to this day. Oh, I would have not been in position to catch that. <laughs> but, oh, Stacks, Come on, believe in yourself. I, I would have, I would have been there. I got hands. I just don't have the,
0: the foot speed. That's the problem. You have,
1: you have the length. You, yeah, you would have reached out. You would have.
0: I, I will say, I've got the, the size of a big wide receiver. And the uh, the speed of
1: a big offensive lineman. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's there's 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 room for that somewhere. It's a good football, combination, football league, yeah. like you like you had.
0: <laughs> Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Out Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Kopp Jr. on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Coming to you after a disappointing end to the Super Bowl rematch, Kelsey Bowl two. Ended in disappointment. The Chiefs really, as I stated in the out of uh, I'm sorry, in the winners and losers post, the Chiefs really let this one slip through their fingers. Uh, Ron, you were at the game. How was Arrowhead? How was your experience? And uh, what are some initial thoughts on the Chiefs losing a close one to the Eagles 21 17?
1: Yeah, that uh, that that pun was just too set up for you, wasn't it, Staggs? Um, because it really was. A slippery day, just a dreary day all day. As someone that went to the game, as someone that was excited, as 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 I've been for our Chiefs regular season game for this in a long time, honestly. You know, week one didn't even get me this juiced up. Um, I was pumped up, uh, but the dreary day ended up in a in a dreary kind of you know end, right? You know, because it was such a fun game at first, but you know that's that's the thing. You know, this this Chiefs team, you know, kind of showing the same issues we saw in. The week one game the only other game I've attended so yes but folks I am O2 at arrowhead this year so uh come after me I am only going to the Christmas game uh for the rest of the year uh against the Raiders uh but yeah no it's it was it was a fun arrowhead game for for a lot of its stags but man dude the second half Chiefs they just it's it's kind of the opposite of, of the past right just just can't get it done in the second half
0: Yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we shouldn't be totally surprised with this outcome, given what we've seen so far this year. Even before the season started, I think a lot of us had flagged this as a game they might lose against a a really stacked Eagles team that went out and and reloaded even on top of a a great roster. And surely they were going to be motivated to come back after the Super Bowl loss and avenge that. You know, they're all signs, I thought, pointed towards this being a tough matchup. When they came out in that first half, it looked like the Chiefs were the better team. Nothing oh, yeah. was easy; it was hard fought. Every every they were scrapping and clawing, but they were up by ten. And the defense again continued to play lights out. The offense was doing enough in the first half that she said, "All right, you know th- this one. This one could be could be pretty solidly a, a win." I mean, seventeen to seven at, at the half. If they score even one touchdown in the second half you know the outcome is quite a bit different and and they managed to make uh two really crucial mistakes uh in this game in the red zone patrick mahomes in interception in the end zone in the first half travis kelsey fumble on about the what 10 yard line in the second yeah. half uh those are those are two plays that you know they, they'd obviously like to have back and then of course the final drive they still had a chance to win this thing so you, know, you can look back and say it's all doom and gloom and this team is having the same struggles they've had all year. The receivers are, you know, incompetent uh, the way they've been all year because it does feel a lot like maybe some other losses they've had this season. But they were in position to win this game and it came right down to it. Mahomes made two stellar throws on that final drive uh, and, and they walked away uh, um, with a loss.
1: At some point, though, Stags, you are who you are. And the discouraging part to me about this was Matt Nagy, after the bye week, talked about the things they focused on going into the bye week, or over the bye week, excuse me, looking back, right, They're self-scouting. Turnovers, penalties were two of the biggest things they needed to correct. What were the two biggest things that affected that second half, Stags? It was turnovers and penalties, even though that interception did happen in the first half as well. And you got to add drops
0: to that list. I mean, I I know they had, uh, you know, penalties were were an issue, and maybe some of those were declined, but they, you
1: know, they ended up with a similar total. You know, let me tell you why penalties were an issue. They actually had a penalty on every, uh, the first uh, drive, one of the first plays of the first three drives of the second half. It set them back um, on each time, the first three uh, plays of the second half. Yeah. Then they had the Creed Humphrey false start. Which was kind of BS. But uh, but then, you know, the intentional grounding is also a mistake on Mahomes's part. I mean, uh, you know, that's also a 15 a yard penalty that that takes you out of position, even though, you know, he had he had a, you know, a, a chance on that fourth and twenty five. Uh, we can get to that. but hey, That's
0: that's rough, by the way. Fifteen yards for for intentional grounding seems pretty, pretty harsh. I don't oh. know.
1: I, I get it. That, that I, I like it though, because don't let quarterbacks get away with, you know, not, you know, if you're getting sacked, you know, something, if there's nowhere to go with the the guy deserves a sack, you know. I mean, I, I like the rule. Um, Mahomes but, just has to find yeah. a way to like find, you know, just throw it at somebody. He just, he didn't know where the line of scrimmage was. He just threw it behind the line of scrimmage. That's all it was. But all that to say is, the thing why it's so discouraging to me is this is week 11. You know, this is after the bye week. You know, this is when the team needs to be playing at its peak, you know, and to see them go their third straight game. I know everyone's heard the stat now, but third straight game without scoring points in the second half. That is really disappointing. And and the reason they're not scoring points in the second half, Mahomes talked about this in the post game, is because teams... No, they're going to run in the second half when they have these leads, right, against the Dolphins, against the Eagles. They've had these leads where, yeah, obviously they're going to want to run the ball. So the team is going to force them to pass the ball, force them to win the game by com- getting completions, you know, uh, sustaining drives by, by c- catching passes. And they haven't been able to do that, uh, you know, against Miami or against Philly. And it all came down, both games came down, both games came down to number 11, dropping a deep pass, when he should have caught it i was over it stags you should have heard me at the stadium if anyone was sitting in one section 121 that was me and you know exactly what i was saying about mbs that was me yes no if 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 you were sitting anywhere near that was me letting him hear it after that play because i had a pretty good view man i was right there right in front of it it was the game-winning touchdown pass pretty much the eagles would have had some time to answer but I'm over it stags. This, this, this guy, you know, I know our our AP staff had a great tweet about it. You know, what exactly do you do here? Shout out, you know, office space. That's how I'm feeling stags. And so that's where it's just these same issues are still happening in week 11. And that's the problem. And this pass offense needs to be the reason they win. And it just feels like it's not going to be, if this team wins, it's going to be because of defense. It's going to be because of ball control. I just don't know if that's going to be, you know, a recipe for winning a Super Bowl this year, Stags. I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been preaching for for offense, uh, for for more balance on the offense, and using Isaiah yes. Pacheco as a as a building block. I mean, he was great this week. Um, he's really somebody that they should build around. He's somebody that gives energy, somebody that gets extra yardage. Uh, Rasheed Rice is the same way. They they've got some of the pieces there to build a balanced offense. But yeah, if if teams are going to say we're going to take away the run and force you to throw the ball against Mahomes, it seems, seems crazy. It seems intuitive. Exactly. uh, Exactly. You've got, you know, the the best quarterback in the NFL and you're going to try to force them to force the ball into his hands. You know, it, it is a, it's a really strange place to be with this offense. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what they do midseason here to change it. You and I were talking before the the broadcast. We were like, "Hey, you know, what does it look like in twenty twenty four? What does this room look like?" You know, that's what everyone what should
1: be. They make yeah. what's that? No, that's what that's how everyone should be thinking at this point about the receiver room because there's no in season fix. We're past the trade deadline. There's no free agent. They're not going to sign T. Y. Hilton or Sammy Watkins or. I know I, I I had a buddy shout out my guy uh, send me something like that this morning like you know hey T Y Hilton's out there you know uh, that's not the fix guys what, it's it's what year is it yeah
0: this
1: this team is winning in this if this team wins this year it is going to be despite of the wide receiver position and it's not going to be it's not going to get any better until 2024 and that's that's all there is to it I, I, that really is and I'm gonna yeah, I'm if. And we have a question about this, honestly. Maybe this is a good time to ask this question. I really I, – I, I love this question, honestly, from Super Bowl 57 champs at MVP Pat Mahomes. At what point do you give Pacheco 25-plus carries and run an Alex Smith-style offense? Sags, I know you love that question because at some point, doesn't it have to – like, don't we have to kind of get there or, or, or is that the solution? I don't know if it is, but whatever they're doing right now in the second half sure isn't working.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's – if it's an Alex Smith offense in, what was it, 2017, uh, absolutely. They had some deep shots. They had, you know, that was a great offense. Uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine that happening. You know, I, I do think, I agree, the solutions aren't going to come with personnel changes in, in midseason. This could, could come with play calling changes. It could come with an emphasis on some of the in-house options. Yes. Um, spin cycle on J-Spin uh, 525. How about more? multiple tight end sets. It worked early in the, in the game. How about more running backs and wide receivers out of the backfield? How about rice and Tony getting more of the targets? Um, You know, Rasheed rice burner account on Twitter being forced to, to watch Rasheed rice taking a short out for 14 yards while putting one of the best corners on his knees, just to see him jog up the field and have Justin Watson get 11 targets has to be a felony. So, I mean, I think, all of these kind of get at the same idea is that this is a a group that is not going to change who's there, but can you change who, who, who gets the ball? Which of those changes do you think would be most effective?
1: Yeah. Let's, let's, let's dissect, you know, all these, all these questions here. Cause I do love a lot of, a lot of what's being said right here. There's a lot of different points I want to make off of what's being said in these questions, because first of all, you know, the Alex Smith offense, that doesn't necessarily mean just giving, you know, the handing the ball off over and over and being a run heavy offense. What that does mean though, we all knew it, we all watched the Alex Smith offense, is just creativity out out the the yin-yang, right? Just like, you know, option plays, you know, and, and obviously you don't want to put Mahomes on too many options where he's running. With Alex, you felt a little bit better about letting him be the battering ram, I guess, but you know, more just you know, creativity in terms of you know, just just trick plays. I mean, just like things that are you know, uh, you know, things that are going to get the, the ball in the hands of guys that are making plays like Tony and Rice, like in, in creative ways. I mean, that's what the Alex Smith offense was, was getting playmakers the ball in space in creative ways. The screen game. Why have we not seen the screen game be a more effective part uh, of the offense? And in the Alex Smith era, that was our favorite part of the offense. That was Andy Weed was known for. That's really mind-blowing.
0: Time. I was calling for it, especially this week. Given yeah, We've given the defense plays, you know. They ran the ball better than I expected them to be able to, but you you complement that with the screen game, and and you've got something
1: cooking. Um, I'm I'm not sure why or where that's been. I know, and so that's one part of that Alex Smith offense part. But no, there's just to 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 dumb it down. It's just more so like, hey, like just stop being a spread offense. Be more the West Coast offense. Like that's really what it is. Like Andy is a hybrid. He runs he runs the spread and the West Coast together. That's what makes it so unstoppable or just so good is because it has so many the, the, the but the west coast part is more conservative is more hey you know time of possession let's let's win this game with defense maybe the spread part's more scoring he needs to just lean the dial just needs to go a little more to the west coast part right and so that's where spin cycle talks about maybe some of these more these tight end set these multiple tight end sets i would actually disagree to an extent because there's no pass yeah. threat out of those. That's right. I don't, there's no pass threat out of the 13 personnel anymore. When they had Jody Fortson, teams had to still respect the fact that they could throw out of it. And so they weren't maybe necessarily selling out for the run. So you could get some runs. And then at the same time, teams were just in their base personnel. So then you could throw out of it, just take advantage of linebackers trying to find Fortson, Gray and Kelsey all over the field. But Bell, I've said it, I've said it, you know, I don't need to keep going over but Bell's just not given that same threat. I, I wish they'd give you know maybe one of these UDFA's that they have on the practice squad just just a little just a little sprinkle of a chance you know down the stretch of the season against these Raiders Packers Patriots teams you're playing just just see what you, what you got in them. But I will say just just real quick with Tony, he's mentions the running backs and receivers out of the backfield need to be more of a focus. Uh, yeah, I, I did like how they were using Tony out of the backfield uh, first half. That was really cool. Yeah. I want to see more of that. But Tony did get banged up, right? He hurt his hand. We saw that, uh, you know, I, I, I actually got a good view of that uh, on the sideline. Andy was kind of, uh, you know, talking with him and he was just in agony. He really was, he was kind of, you know, going up and down, kind of holding his hand for a second. So, you know, they might've been kind of cautious with, even though he did return punts after, after that, he might've been cautious with, you know, playing him too much. And Andy said it, you know, in the post game, he said, and I quote, it's mainly been, it's mainly the health part. I've been cautious with his knee when talking about Tony and, and the reps he's gotten. So, there there is a chance, you know, when if, if if the really important game comes into, you know, January, Tony's usage goes ways up, way up. But but yeah, I do think his last point, Rice and Tony need to get the majority of the targets at wide receiver is the correct one, uh, one if this offense wants to be the most successful, right? What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's it. We'll I'll keep repeating it until that actually happens is let's focus on uh Rice primarily with with Tony complimenting him and and Isaiah Pacheco as as the the cornerstones of the offense uh, along with Travis Kelsey. I mean, I think we, we do have to start thinking about that Travis Kelsey conversation a little bit more. I know it's been happening yeah. media a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he looked a little bit slower, a little bit more tentative this week uh, than usual uh, showed some frustration. I think the, the coach had some frustration with him as well. Uh, I don't put that fumble on him. I mean, he got, he got, got it punched out. It's going to happen, but it, it is a, it was a frustrating game for Kelsey, and and a little bit worrisome for things to come there. So I think you got to find the next wave, the next generation, and the next uh, identity for this offense. And to me, it is those guys who can get some yards after the catch. It's some of those guys that are that are energy givers, and I think that's what you the best thing you can say for Pacheco all season and last season. Uh, he's an energy giver, right? He's a spark plug. Tony was that way this week again too, even uh, as a punt returner. I put him on the winner's list in, in that article just because, you know, the the guy just refused to get tackle on, on punt returns and, and really was trying to bring some energy and trying to make something happen.
1: Uh, those are the types of players that you want to focus on. Yeah, I would say the most juiced up the stadium was was that one punt return he had where he he almost broke it. And honestly, I, I we were all kind of saying he, he had an angle to the left. I think if he would have just broke left and kind of darted for it, because he he does have a tendency to just continue making moves and making dudes miss, um, which I love. It was it was electric, man. I was fired up after that punt return, and that's what Tony gives to the offense too. And so that's where you hope, you know, the team can get him more involved. And it is just you know something where you know at some point you can't just you can't hold anything back. Right. At some point you have to just let him you play as much as he says. Right.
0: I was about to make that point. Is not just on Tony, but just in general, we keep saying, "Oh, Andy Reid's holding something back. They're holding something back for playoff run." I don't know that they were holding anything back from the Eagles here. You know, this is a this is a team that. You know, this was a a, a slugfest. Really, this was a, a, a big game. Do Do you think they were holding something back this week?
1: No, I would. I would only say like Tony's like snap counts. Like I would say maybe if we were in the playoffs in this game, Tony does play more. Because again, I mean, he he even said it in the game, and I know he was he, he was kind of talking about you know leading into the game how that he hasn't been involved uh, leading into this game, and he kind of said, yeah, we got him more involved this game, but it's still only twenty eight percent of the snaps. I feel like he's proving that he's one of the best guys. Him and Rice are the best guys with the ball in their hands after the catch. That's what this offense needs ninety percent of the time when they're throwing the ball. So yeah, I I think if it was in a playoff game. They'd get him the ball more, maybe, but that's the only thing. You know, I know. I I don't think Andy's like holding anything. He wasn't holding anything back play calling wise. They wanted to win this game because if they win this game, Stags, they're the only team with a two loss the uh, two losses in the AFC. They have a one game lead on everybody, and they have a to Head tiebreaker against two of the, I think three or four teams with a three loss record. So that's right. They would have been sitting pretty if they would have won this game.
0: Yeah, we talked about that last week. How big the <clears> game <throat> right. was from a potential standpoint. Losing isn't as as harmful. But winning would have been would have been huge. And, you know, you talked about being seven and three. Uh, Blake Williams on Twitter says, here's a crazy set. The Browns and the Chiefs now have the same record. And the Browns have scored more points than the Chiefs so far this season.
1: How does that make you feel? Dorian Thompson, Robinson, P.J. Walker and Deshaun Watson, three headed monster. What are you talking about? That's, you know, it's hard to beat that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right yeah did you sneeze what what was that yeah uh, so yeah how about dr spaceman's tweet here uh, well let me say real quick though we work. i i do want to make a point on just i i i want to give my guy rashi rice burner uh just a little more uh runway on his on his question about justin watson getting 11 targets being a felony because i love justin watson he's been a great player uh on this team in his role but he led the team in snaps at the receiver position last night He, yes, he led the entire team in targets last night, including Travis Kelsey. More targets went to Justin Watson last night, and they were, you know, really focused on taking away Kelsey. But if Justin Watson is your primary target guy in an offense, like for your pass offense in a big game, like that's bad. Like, don't mistake it. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, it doesn't matter how well he's playing. It doesn't matter how well anything else, whatever else is going on. That is not a recipe for success and it's nothing against him. But when you give him 11 targets, he's probably going to drop two of them because he's Justin Watson. He's a role player. He's not supposed to be your number one target, your number one guy. He's an undrafted free agent out of pen. He's been great for what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But you can't give him 11 targets in, in a big game and expect it to not end in a drop on 4th and 25. You know the, the, And I will say the interception Mahomes threw to him in the end zone I think there was a little bit of that being telegraphed. Mahomes was reading him all the way, and the safety just could see it. I know Mahomes just put a little too much loft on it. If he would have just fired it in there, it would have been a touchdown. So it's not on Watson or anything. But I do think Mahomes is just – it's so obvious that he just wants to only throw to him too. And it's obvious in the offense play calling, and it's obvious in how we trust the receivers. But, like, that is a recipe for failure, uh, you know, in in terms of this – this NFL right now, like having Justin Watson as your main guy. And like, I want him to play over MBS, but he can't be 11 targets in a big game. That's just
0: our guy. Carrington Harrison uh, tweeted out. Justin Watson is like the seven point per game scorer, And they're trying to get 19 a night from him. Uh,
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Basketball
0: analogy, but yeah, you you've got, you know, there are, there are role players and there are, you know, featured featured players and he's a role player.
1: And I just, I I get, I get. He's a better, he's gonna, he's a better downfield. He's he's really good downfield route runner. He really is. He runs posts with good spacing, you know, good timing. Obviously, Mahomes trusts him, and and it works out. Like he had a beautiful catch to the corner. But again, like that needs to be three catches a game, four catches a game at the most. uh, You know, out of four or five targets, right. Rasheed Rice can do some of that stuff, too. That's why I don't understand we're not seeing some of that. Like, he's he he's not the fastest dude down the field. He really not. He's obviously much more uh, faster just in short spurts and accelerating. But he can still go up and get it over guys. He can still run downfield. He's still a wide receiver. He's still done it plenty of times throughout his career. It's what he did at SMU a lot of times is make catches downfield. So I'd like to see Rasheed just get more kind of leeway in that way, too.
0: Absolutely. That's one of the things we liked about him coming out of the draft is he's, he can make contested right. catches down the field. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know all the solutions here other than Gary Sloat's idea of, of uh, infinity hands. Yeah. Um, that but, gif
1: was cracking me up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of options to make these guys better pass catchers. It's just a matter of figuring out creative ways to use them in the, in the right combination. Uh, you know, Dr. Spaceman, as I was, I was, trying to get to earlier, but his uh, the going back to this idea of like, hey, can they improve this this group? Uh, what about promoting Cornell Powell and giving him snaps? Would that inspire the rest of the group or hurt it, or should they snatch somebody off of the Panthers um, practice squad, Michael Strachan? I, I'm not familiar with that player, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, is the solution here to just bench all the starters this is going back to i told you all my my chiefs fandom came from watching games from my grandpa and my dad yes. growing up uh grandpa's favorite story about sports in general uh also being a mizzou fan i like to tell mizzou stories to ron because because he's not but he talks about norm stewart norm stewart is a legendary basketball coach and was famous for just not putting up with any uh with any bullshit right he was just a just a you know, straightforward, old school type coach, and my grandpa remembers this one game where they were all, to his eyes, they were all showboating, and and so Norm benches the entire starting five <laughs> for for a substantial portion of a game. Uh, so I tell that story just to say, hey, is that part of the solution here? Should they should they literally just bench the starting five wide receivers and let anybody else have a chance at it? just to prove a point, would that help or, or hurt?
1: Yeah, you know, there's. I, I want to see some sort of motivational tactic like that, right? Like, I know, like, Coach K one time, like, told his players they couldn't wear, wear any Duke gear around campus. They didn't earn it or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, if they were caught, it would be in trouble or something. Like, they have to earn it back or something. Like, you know, just, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. I'd love to see something like that. But it is not definitely just sending up Cornell Powell. Although, hey, you know, I wouldn't I, – I said it at the tight end position – now in the stretch of the season, again you play the Raiders twice, you play the Packers, you play the Patriots, you play the Chargers at the last week of the season, which you know I really don't think is going to be that serious of a game with them crumbling at this point. Although, hey, with the AFC, they could still make a late run. It's kind of a wild AFC playoff picture right now. The Bengals, you know, obviously Joe Burrow's out for the season. That, can't, that game can't be as serious anymore. Although those they'll, they'll still give a fight. You know, they're still a good team even with a backup quarterback in my eyes. All that to say. There is room down the stretch here before the playoff run to experiment a little bit with personnel like this. Bench MBS for a game. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know, send a statement. He's dropped two huge passes back-to-back games. You play the Raiders upcoming, you know, it's not going to happen, right? But, like, if you're asking me, like, I I don't think you would hurt the room if you held someone like MBS accountable like that. Yeah, I mean, it would maybe yeah. just be like kind of weird, but like I don't know, it probably would hurt the room. Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, know. he's your veteran.
0: He's, he's the one. He's player. your veteran. He's the highest play, paid receiver by far uh, of that group. You know, there, there's something to be said for that, and I, I've seen I've seen a couple of people making points about accountability on this team. Right. And, and pointing to the coaching staff and saying, "Hey, is the receivers coach not holding them accountable? Is are they missing Eric Bieniemy oh uh, as that. as that enforcer?" I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it might be something worth trying.
1: Did you see the receiver talk? The receiver coach talk counter Embry. Did you see I, that discussion on Twitter?
0: I saw a little bit of it. Uh, it didn't seem like people were super impressed.
1: Yeah, that's all it was. People weren't impressed with his practice or his uh, press conference. And somehow that turns into, oh, that's why the receivers aren't playing well, because this guy's the receivers coach. I just want to put it out there. I I felt strongly enough to tweet about it. But, like, guys, Connor Embry, first-year receiver coach, his first year coaching the position, is probably the least impactful voice the receivers hear on a day-to-day basis in the (laughs) room. They have Andy Reid. They have Matt Nagy. They have Joe Blameyer, last year's receiver coach, who's just a pass game coordinator. And, you know, they have, I think, David Girardi is the quarterback's coach who's been there a long time. Like, he's, he works in, the, like, there's so many voices there. He's, he's obviously a young dude. Like, he's not, he's not going to be a, a, you know, veteran on the podium. And to me, it's like has no bearing on whether he, the receivers are playing well or not. But yeah, I it, just want to just put that out. <laughs> it feels like
0: an easy, easy uh, cop out. Like, hey, who, who can we blame here? And, you know, the, um, performance of the wide receivers at some point it's concentration it's execution right and there's only so much a coach can do with that but but yeah right I I, th- I think they should leave no stone unturned right Just do whatever it takes yeah I, I don't mind saying I put MBS as a, inactive for a week and, and you know give somebody else a chance I, I don't I don't hate that idea at all not to blame it all on him and, and he's taken you know definitely taking a beating right now and he's come out uh, you know, and tweeted about it and, and talked about it, saying, "Hey, I'll be better. I appreciate appreciate the criticism and the support. I'll take everything that comes with it. I, you know, know I can handle it." So, like, he's taking it like a man. He's doing, you know, what what you would want to hear from him. But, you know, on the field, performance-wise, yeah, something should change, and it can't really be it can't really be a bunch of new players coming in. So. It's got to be it's got to be execution. Tell you what, let's let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. Um, Do you have a do you have a a player in mind for this week's game? Uh, For those of you that are new here every week, we try to come up with somebody who's played for both the Chiefs and their upcoming opponent. And uh, Ron stumped me last week, if I remember correctly, but uh, uh, that was the first time. So we'll, we'll see what you got this week.
1: Yeah, I, I did get you last time. And I'm going to try to get you this time, too. Because, you know, this guy's pretty underrated in his NFL career. Um, yes, this guy, what NFL player am I? I played for the Chiefs and the Raiders. First with the Chiefs, then the Raiders. I finished my career. With the Raiders, I was a two-time All-Pro and NFL MVP. And with the Chiefs, I didn't do much. But some people really think i i should have played a, a, a little more and some people would tell you that i would have led the the, the, the team to the promised and a little bit one one specific year so uh that's all i got to say about about who uh, am man, i am
0: ron's throwing up softballs we'll be right back after this stick with us on the of Structure podcast yeah And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us on the Out of Structure podcast. We got more of your questions coming up. Now we get to the answer of Ron's question on what NFL player am I? You started down this path of somebody who finished their career with the Raiders that started off with the Chiefs, and that could have been a number of people. But then you go two-time All-Pro MVP. Okay, yeah, you, you're I, obviously actually, talking about you're obviously talking about Rich
1: Gannon, right? Yeah. No, I I, I gave it too much. I gave it too much. I. Elvis back backup. Yeah. Oh man, I know. I I that's I only know Rich Gannon's name from growing up and hearing. Oh man, if we would have played him, like from all the older people in my life, I knew as Chiefs fans. Yeah, that's a uh, that's that's a name. So shout yeah. out to you. It's it's an underrated name though. You got to say. But again, yeah. I gave it away. There's only so many MVPs. Thomas Ramirez asked us, "How does Pat trust any of these receivers now?" It's a good question. Um, that's kind of where it's like. I made this point. I, I write for AP Premier. Uh it's a it's a newsletter. Um, it's a it's a great newsletter. We got like out uh, you know, uh outside voices coming in and, and giving us kind of insights on the Chiefs. And Pete kind of gives you a little bit more from the locker room than he'd give you on the site. Um, because you know, he's in there every practice, every game. You know, they're giving more and more access. But all that to say, the piece I wrote for there, because I always write a first look, kind of my first initial thoughts on the field of what is happening. And man, my thing is like Pat's got a feel almost back into a corner right now in terms of who do I trust? It just, there's really no end in sight in terms of you say like, okay, Tony and rice are the guys you want to get the ball to more, but stags. We've seen them have drop problems and do the same exact thing that MBS and and Watson just had problems with last night. Right? Like Tony cost the game, the us, the game week one, pretty much, you know, rice has obviously had drop problems and he's a rookie. So you're hoping he, he, he grows out of it. But maybe that's one reason why maybe they're not giving him the ball down the field. Maybe he doesn't look comfortable catching the passes downfield in practices or in, in training camp and they're just it's like, not hey, weird we just... they
0: throw to a receiver that's gonna drop the ball or that doesn't make plays
1: down the field. yeah but that's it, but, but that's exactly it, dude. It's like there's like no one has given him a reason to trust them overly uh, uh, you know over somebody else, right? Like no one has been like, hey, like rice, just because he makes plays after the catch, but man, I mean, if he keeps burning, you know, if he does, he didn't have any drops, I don't think, this last game, right? He didn't have any drops last night. I think he had a pretty good so. game when he got the ball. But it's just we've seen him have them. So it's just like you want to say, like, there is a solution. It's just not throwing to MBS or Watson. But, like, you could have, in theory, the same problems because we've seen it. You could have the same problems throwing to anybody else. So, yeah, I I, I don't know how, how honestly. It's a good question, Thomas.
0: Rice caught four or five. uh, uh you know, on Monday night, which was a, a pretty good performance out of him, pretty efficient. He also had the the catch. Was it last last game uh, where he laid out for that pass on third down? Um, do you remember this one that I'm talking about, kind of towards the sideline?
1: Anyway, yes. he, now's was he, good
0: catch? He's making some he's making some catches that should be building trust. I think I think it's got to be building with him. Uh, I think maybe there's a there's something building with Tony. You know, he's really again going really easy here with, with Tony, but, uh, but there, there may be some trust building there. But yeah, I, I don't know how, I don't know how there's any trust with NBS at this point. Uh, and I'm sure there's, there's others that, uh, um, you know, that he's going to struggle with. I mean, some of that is really just, you know, like I said, personnel that, that's not going to change.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a good point, honestly, uh, you know, on the fact that, Rice has, you know, earned some trust in terms of making some tough catches and it's just been kind of a roller coaster. Tony just hasn't gotten the opportunity. So, you know, I think Mahomes has thrown it like even, you know, I think Mahomes has thrown to him enough uh, for how how much he's been in to, to tell you that he trusts him to an extent. But it's just, you know, at the same time, it's just no one's really just been like Justin Watson is the only one that he can really trust and again, like as long as he's only getting three or four targets and they're all meaningful targets, like he's going to be awesome for this offense. But if it's 11 targets, we're just asking for trouble. So that's where the trust can only go so far with Justin Watson. Yeah, he did a nice job getting open in the end
0: zone for first drive of the game or first touchdown drive of the game. Uh, you know, that was a that was
1: there were you know, three guys on Kelsey. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was that was pretty. Uh,
0: but you know, if he, if he if he'd have stopped there, he would have had a good game. <laughs> Thomas Ramirez also asked, what was worse? penalties on the offensive line or the wide receiver play overall? I think we all agree that it's the wide receivers that, that are the worst. But let's talk a little bit about the offensive line because I struggled this week on how much blame to put on the line. You know the tackle struggled at times. the, the penalties are persistent uh, and consistently a problem. And then it seems like the last couple of weeks, for whatever reason, somebody always seems to run into Donovan Smith and and fall down. Uh, and and it, previously it was Mahomes. This time it was uh, Pacheco. I think it, it's one of those things where it's it, it just makes me wonder about the play of the especially the tackles. I think Trey Smith was big this week. Uh, I've, I've seen some some highlight reels of him versus Jalen Carter just battling it out in the trenches. Uh, I thought Creed was better, uh, Tony, and Tony and even Tooney was better. But I, I think maybe the tackles might be an issue. What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, that second play of the game, uh, Jawan Taylor gets beat clean by Hassan Riddick. Okay. And Quick. actually, if you, if you take a look at it, which I'll definitely post on Twitter once the All-22 is out, MVS, uh, does a great job beating his guy, fakes a corner, goes post. There's no safety help because they are blitzing. And he would have been, you know, if Mahomes bought himself a second more, he would have had a touchdown to MBS probably, if he would have caught it, obviously. He probably, you know, that's a 50 50 shot because it's wide open. Um, actually, probably more like a 20 80 shot. Um, anyway, but yeah, no, I, that's the one thing going into this game. I was, once it started raining a little bit, I was a little worried because I didn't know if this, if we could trust the run game against this Eagles front, you know, the the Eagles front was giving up the least uh, rushing yards per game coming into the game in the NFL. It's because they have dudes um, like uh, Jordan Davis, right. You know, big guy from Georgia from last year, Jalen Carter, obviously still. um, But even guys like Milton Williams, who made some plays last night, 93, um, you know, guys, they just have a bunch of names on the interior that can, that can just just clog up space. Right. And so it's hard to run on them. You got to give credit to the offensive line in the run game specifically for sure. Give, uh, gaining space giving holes for Pacheco to run hard too they were really setting the edge well on off tackle runs that's one thing i noticed like Noah gray and Travis were doing a great job a few, on a few occasions um really sealing it and and giving Clyde Clyde had one where man if it, <laughs> I swear Clyde has these runs where it's like it's a great run for him but like if it was anybody else it might be a crib call <laughs> like <laughs> it's one of those like i love Clyde and and Jarek had one too honestly actually uh mm-hmm. uh where he kind of broke loose and got tripped up man he was slow getting into that second level like if that was if that was pacheco that might have been a crib call as well so yeah
0: I, i'm a little concerned about mckinnon slowing down i think uh yeah i think a lot of people were laughing about clyde this week kind of looking like uh eddie lacy or somebody <laughs> Look a little little oh my thicker gosh in the middle. wow uh, that's that's rude <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that was all about but but he looked good he had two big runs that's all he had but but both of them were, were were good runs and well blocked and so yeah i think you got to give some credit to the line for the for the run blocking this week for sure
1: yeah no and and i should say one of clyde's runs was an awesome you know he was churning through he runs very hard and he definitely doesn't go down easy yeah. um the other one that was open it was just it was kind of towards the red right, zone. it was right in front of us it just felt like it was so well blocked and you know if it was like a if it was like a you know a if it was somebody like really good, it might've been and the they team got team. Blocked anyway from gray and Kelsey on that one The you right. Yeah. yeah. No, they I, gray was, was doing well setting the edge all game in the run game. But yeah, no, I, I will say in the past game, it definitely felt like, you know, a part of the reason, and this has kind of been a theme lately, you know, uh, some of the reasons maybe the past game doesn't feel as uh, you know, clean is they do have to keep tight ends in to help chip help the offensive tackles um, or the offensive tackles just kind of give up pressure. Mahomes has to navigate it um even on the uh, touchdown pass to Justin Watson early you know he did have to you know really play you know well in the pocket kind of you know make a few guys miss a little bit i mean it was it was it was blocked up decently well um but there was definitely pressure so yeah i do think Juwan Taylor uh definitely doesn't do as well as i thought he would do against like straight speed um cuz that i mean he just got beat speed wise on that even with kind of having the tight end help on that uh, that second play of the game and so they are going to have they are dedicating chip help a lot uh, to guys that maybe are supposed to be maybe better pass protectors than they had last year. And that was kind of something we complained about last year with the offense sometimes is they dedicated too much chip help to guys that were supposed to be, you know, cornerstone left tackles, you know, uh, it's just the other side maybe now. So you know, uh, it's,
0: it's weird though, because, and I know some of this, a lot of this is Mahomes, but that one loss uh, of Taylor's uh, early, on that first drive that led to a sack, that was the only sack they gave up on the day. So if you yeah. give up one sack and you rush for 168 yards on a 5.6 average, you know you would think that that would end up being a, a pretty good day for the offensive line looking back. I mean, I know there was a couple of other plays where Mahomes was under pretty severe pressure and including the one he had to throw away, but you know it's it's just funny if you, if you just look at the stats it doesn't look that bad.
1: Well, I I would I would say it's a good day from the offensive line overall. I mean, I think they play well against the Eagles front. I mean, this Eagles front is good um very good one of the best probably the best in the entire league so i definitely don't want to be here saying that like i'm disappointed in how they played they played their asses off they played well it's just that in general um you know if we're trying to think of you know you mentioned the tackle play if we're trying to you know look at reasons why maybe the pass offense can be a little cluttered at times it is because you know they are dedicating chip help and and kind of keeping guys in and that you know doesn't allow as many guys into the route right when you when you have to leave a tight end in for a second or the running back in for a second but all that's to say, I mean, yeah, I think they played their asses off. So shout out the O-line. They definitely deserve credit for – I mean, again, if the pass game catches a few more passes, doesn't turn it over. I mean, this is a, a resounding win, and we are loving up the offensive line for how they, they paved the way for it.
0: Well, what about at Jake – for now, Jake Wilson's question. This is sort of a three-parter uh, with, with a second question tied in here, but let's start with the, the first three parts. Looking forward and looking kind of where they are in the season – how should the Chiefs fans feel about Kansas City's pace when it comes to injury and load management? So, are, how healthy are the Chiefs at this point in the season compared to what you would expect? And and how about uh, load management? Is there anybody else that they need to be worried about from a load management perspective?
1: Yeah, we've talked about Tony. Like that's the one that they are apparently keeping a pretty good eye on. And so, I think you're, they're in a great position injury wise. Obviously, right? Like they. They had no one on the injury report this week. Nick Bolton is going to be coming back from his, uh, and it was wasn't it a wrist injury? Like that's not something that you can really be worried is going to affect his play when he comes back. He's probably, you know, maybe he doesn't hit as hard that first game while he's getting kind of a feel of it again, right? Because that wrist, yeah, is probably cast be- on or whatever. But but yeah, so I think they are in an amazing position injury wise. It's honestly one of those things where you know you kind of have you know this it's going to happen at some point. So you do kind of have to just knock on wood, prepare for it. Um, But yeah, they're in a great position.
0: I will throw this out there though. You know, some of the issues that they've run across, would they have been better? If obviously Nick Bolton was healthy, if Jody Fordson was healthy, if uh, uh, Justin Ross, you got Prince Tega Winogo, not not that he would probably be playing anyway. Uh, You had Nazi Johnson, who was, who was a really playing lights out in the preseason uh would have at least been a contributor on special teams at this point. Yeah. I mean, Richie James contributors there. Yeah. Richie James. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Richie James is back now, but he was inactive this week. We figured that he actually would be just given. They're usually slow about bringing guys back from injury. Uh, and they tried to trade him in the, during the, at the trade deadline, allegedly. I, I don't not know true. what that means. You know, he was somebody who I thought could be part of the the answer when it comes to uh, a reliable veteran wide receiver had over 500 yards last year on a not a very good offense. You know, with the, with the Giants, you know, this is somebody who, you know, had some hope for, but have the Chiefs completely given up on him, or is he going to be part of the the mix?
1: It's it's a good question. I mean, you know, he is kind of redundant a little bit to like if Tony, you know, I I'd, I'd want him to do what tony's doing but then like why don't just give tony the ball in those situations but you know maybe they trust him more health wise and maybe that gives them more opportunities to because he does he does have that same sort of wiggle at times in space uh, Mm -hmm. where he can make dudes miss and so maybe you do kind of get him going in the same ways tony can but obviously you know not ramping up tony's snaps so maybe that that's that's one thing
0: If we go back to Jake's question, let's let's give him a grade here. So, what's what grade would you give the team for injury and load management so far this season? I think it's probably a B plus or A minus. Yeah, I'd say I'd say an A. I'll
1: I'll give him an A, honestly. I mean, I don't see you know. I mean, again, like, I mean, I, I think the Tony thing is honestly probably smart what they're doing. Like, they're still the top seed with him being limited in snap counts. So you know i mean one i wish of, maybe they, they, the they would have yeah. <laughs> yeah how about uh, i think there's well i think they are still the one seed tiebreaker wise and everything um they're just they, there's a few other guys with three losses i, I could be wrong we could look at yeah, it yeah i think the ravens
0: have eight wins
1: um so well yeah cuz so yeah. we have the same amount of losses time. and we have way more afc wins so we would have the tiebreaker there um when it comes By down there. to it but yeah anyway
0: Anyway, uh, how about in-season player development? So you've seen some big steps forward for Karloftis, for even Trent McDuffie, who was already good last year, but he's just been phenomenal this year. Uh, you've, you've had development for Leo Chenal, You've had development for Brian Cook. You've had – and not coincidentally, these are all
1: defensive players that I've made. Yeah, I was going to say, can we split it into offense and defense maybe? <laughs> so
0: in-season player development, defense, I think you give them an A+. Plus. Yeah, like, that's what I was going to say. They're crushing it. In-season player development on the offense. I mean, I I think it's a. I it might be nice giving him a D here. I mean, who has gotten better on the offense other than – well, other than
1: Rasheed Rice. But even then, like, he's doing the same things we knew he could do in the preseason. Like, we saw him take balls quickly and run up field and break tackles and look quick like that in the preseason. He hasn't necessarily, you know – expanded his route tree for the most part. Um, it's been a lot of the same stuff. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that part of it, I would probably say, yeah, it's pretty close to, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think who else young wise is even on the offense that, I mean, Sky Moore has obviously gotten worse. I feel like, I mean, there's, there, he, he was playing more and contributing more at the beginning of the season than he is now. Um, and so I think all that points to really, you could, you could call it close to an F if you really wanted to on offense, uh, but but, Rice, you do you do want to give him a little credit for Rice just being a player as yeah. the season's gone along. So, yeah. Special teams,
0: um, you know, I, I think they fixed whatever kicking problems they had for the most part. The special teams coverage units have been solid. It's just the returners have been pretty bad. Now, Tony obviously had a nice game this week. So, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe a C on special teams, I guess. I, I don't know what that averages out <laughs> to.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do I'd say I'd say probably like a a B overall, B minus overall, just because the defense has been so good that it is carrying the team a lot of ways. So, I mean, yeah. you can give them credit for that. Yeah,
0: so give a little extra weight to that. How about yeah. the the team's performance arc? Have they have they peaked too early? Or are they peaking at the right time? Well, I, I think I think this is pretty clear. They haven't peaked
1: yet. So so they they haven't peaked too early. It doesn't. No, I don't think so. No, but it's just hard. I don't know what the peak is. If it's, if you know, I mean, it is just the receivers clicking, I guess. But can they reach that peak? That's what I'm really questioning. So, but you're right. I mean, they're definitely not peaking. I mean, they're not peaking too early. So yeah, (laughs) yeah. But it's not on time either. It's. I don't know if it's on time because I'd like to see a little more development at this point in the season. It's week eleven, so I think they are behind schedule. Maybe just overall.
0: On time would be. They muddle through this week and, and next week, and then they get hot coming down the stretch. Right? That would be peaking on time. I'd I'd be okay with that. Uh, Within no, right, that's kicking it up in December and just just really hitting their stride when the playoffs come around. That's they still have time to peak, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yes, you're right. I guess on paper, to me, that's probably what is going to happen. Like I'm, I will predict that they get hot. You know, by <laughs> winning these games down the stretch. I guess to me it's just like but i guess that's what he's asking the performance arc you know just this season this season's team so but i just don't know if it's going to result in them like staying hot for a super bowl run i think it might i think what you saw monday night in my opinion is going to be pretty close to how it looks at the end that's i really do think so i believe it
0: yeah it's possible um all right one more question from our guy jake wilson in hindsight, should the Chiefs have kept a traditional fullback instead of that extra wide receiver? You know, we were advocates for the fullback. Um, I I wanted to see them take like, you know, Hunter Lup- Lupiki. Oh, yeah. or yeah, uh, whatever his name is, uh, or this, one of those other guys. I think it would have been fun to have that extra element to the offense. You know, maybe this becomes a running team in the second half of the season. Maybe the fullback could have been could have been useful. And maybe just on I an mean, ancillary benefit, one less wide receiver, they would spread the ball out a little bit less. <laughs> maybe that would have been a positive
1: early on. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Blake Bell just needs to be used as a fullback and then we'll be fine. But instead, we're still using him as an actual third tight end. Um, so it, it's, it is it is one of those things where um, it's just this this tight end group is just not as explosive as it was last year. So yeah, let's just give Blake Bell that fullback position. We'll just call him a fullback, and we'll just say we need to bring up. Uh, let's just do it that way. We'll bring up one of the UDFA tight ends that way.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It's one of those deals where it's not where the league's going, but having something, having that extra element, having something a little bit less predictable. You know, having a, another body type out on the field, I would have been, I would have been perfectly fine with that. And I think it could be fun. Well, tell you what, Ron, this is Thanksgiving week. It's holiday. It's, it's time to start thinking about, you know, what are we thankful for? How can we enjoy this time with our friends and family? I think we should do another Thanksgiving food draft um, and, and talk to – we'll see who ends up with a better plate. Uh, but first, from a Chiefs theme from Ed Helinski, what should Chiefs fans be thankful about with this year's team? I'm going to start with Mark Gunnell's tweet here. For Our, our guy Mark put out, let's put this thing in perspective. The chiefs had two red zone turnovers from their two best players and several drops and untimely penalties. And they still had a chance to win against the top team in the league record wise, clean up the mistakes. This team will be fine. And then he followed it up with a tweet saying that this team uh, tonight sucks, but the chiefs will still be the number one seed and host the AFC championship game for the sixth consecutive season. That's a bold prediction, but you know the the Chiefs should be th- Chiefs fans should be thankful that this team is still competitive. They're still at the top of the league. They still have the best player in the world, and and the best defense you, you've seen in a long time. So I think a little perspective, and we 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 all might feel more thankful about where the Chiefs are.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was going to say uh, I the thankful what I'm thankful for really honestly is, is appreciating, you know, on the other side of the ball for once in this Mahomes era. I mean, you know, it's all like, you know, I've been writing, my first year writing was Mahomes first or second year, excuse me, uh, starting. And so it's just all been, yeah, you know, I've been all focused on how the offense is played and how, you know, what the offense does and kind of the the ins and outs of it. It's been so cool to kind of get into the weeds more of on the defense and how they're really uh, leading this team and, and the different players that are stepping up, how they're using them. And, and Spags talking about them has been so cool to kind of listen. Spags is a great press conference listen. If anyone's ever curious, um, definitely listen to what he has to say. It's usually on Thursdays. So, yeah, shout out uh, the defense. I think that's what we got to be thankful for because I will say again, this team is not going to win because of the receivers. But hey, this is a weird year in the NFL. This defense could lead them to the lead them to a win like i'm not saying that's not out of the question like i want to make that clear it's i just really don't think the offense has it in them to be the the primary reason they win the super bowl the pass we're staying on the
0: positive side here so yes the defense for sure and the youth of that defense has got to leave you thankful and optimistic about the future it's so nice to watch a game and even like the the dolphins game when you come down to the last drive and you know the defense needs a stop for them to win and to actually have some faith that the defense is going to get that stop. I mean, we didn't have a lot of faith that the offense was going to score at the end of the game here against the Yeah, defense, right. But we had faith in the defense getting some stops. So so having a defense that you can believe in, that can close stuff out, you're right, it, it could be a difference maker. If if the offense doesn't lose the game for them, uh, the, the defense could help win it. So uh, obviously I think we should all still be really thankful for for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes uh, and Travis Kelsey, I mean, this is a this is a glorious time to be a Chiefs fan. Even if they lose a game here and there, you know, you're you're talking about a team that in my lifetime didn't sniff the the championship game much, and, and now they've been to three Super Bowls in, in recent years. And there's a pretty good chance they're not done when that, when it comes to that. So be thankful for this entire era of Chiefs football as a Chiefs fan.
1: Oh, for sure. But, you know, we are thankful for food as well as football. So let's do this. Thanks, Max. All right. Yeah, let's call this the second
0: annual Thanksgiving Food Day Draft. Uh, Thanksgiving Day Food Draft on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Uh, I'm going to give Ron the first pick because I typically dominate these drafts whenever I do this with Ron. <laughs> so
1: I, I can't first, lie.
0: First pick, we're going to make a plate uh, with five items on it and then we'll put it out to the, the people on Twitter and see who comes up with the best plate. Uh, Ron, you got the first pick. We'll do it snake style. Is is dessert included?
1: Dessert's included, absolutely. Good. Okay, good. Awesome. Well, the first pick, to me, it's near and dear to my heart on any, any given day, but Thanksgiving especially, you know, with that homemade gravy. Mashed potatoes and gravy combined, right? Like, I can get those together. Yeah, right? sure. Mashed potatoes and gravy just – absolutely elite side at any time but during thanksgiving you get the homemade potatoes a lot of the time i mean my mom does you get the homemade gravy you mm. know and it's just it's just hitting different so yeah shout out Michael all right gravy
0: that's a good base that's a good place to start you're you're building in the trenches so to speak go <laughs>
1: yeah. <that. laughs> yes. absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah i like that so for number two or for, for the number two pick i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with turkey which is always the, you know a lot of times the mvp Normally, I, I cook the turkey like my grandmother did, like she taught me when I was like twelve, uh, just the old-fashioned way of doing it. This year, with my family, we decided to be lazy and order a smoked turkey, uh, and I'm pretty pumped about that. I think it's going to be, I think oh, it's yeah. going to be a choice because you can, because it's versatile. You know, you start off with it at the at the dinner with the mashed potatoes and gravy, and slap that over on the turkey and eat it all together. But I almost look forward to the turkey sandwiches more than the 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 initial run of the turkey i'm tempted a lot of times just to go straight to the turkey sandwich and skip the whole you know thanksgiving dinner just make it just make a big fat turkey sandwich and then eat the sides with it
1: yeah no that that's you're speaking my language i'm the same way and you know honestly i'm just i have to take i'm sticking with my carbs because of that i love me my mom makes homemade rolls homemade just bread rolls you know cook some from the ye- you know yeast you know from the from the get go man they are fire they are my favorite so i do i'm gonna do some rolls for my second pick all right well carbs carbs pick, all day <laughs> for
0: my second pick i'll add some carbs uh but also maybe a little bit of meat with it as well i'm going with some old-fashioned stuffing made with sausage yeah. Ooh, that that just hits sausage. it hits a little different man that is a uh, stuffing is a good side anyway, and something you don't eat throughout the rest of the year. But uh, make that—that that, I don't know if that's Southern style or what—that that's that stuffing with with a little sausage in it uh, gets the job done.
1: No, that sounds amazing. I don't think I've had stuffing with sausage in it, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to try that out. Um, I have to go. I, I have to make sure this gets on my plate. I got to make sure you don't sn- steal it from me because. You know, in recent years, as I've become an adult, Stags, this has become, you know, I it's become a favorite of mine. The old pumpkin pie, the old classic. I could eat thousand, I, I could eat so much pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. I, I used to just, I don't know. You know, as a kid, sometimes there's just some things you're like, oh, I don't want to eat that because it's whatever. Like, you know, I, I just didn't feel like it was, it was good. But I've come to the, I've come to the light. It is, it is goaded. Um, so shout out pumpkin pie.
0: Ooh. That sounds good. All right. Um, so I've got so far Ron's got mashed potatoes, rolls, and pumpkin pie. I've got turkey stuffing. I've got a couple different ways I can go with this this next pick. Ooh. I'm gonna go with the old fashioned, again, this is old fashioned, but not uh if you've ever tried to make this particular dish with premium ingredients, fresh stuff, you know, uh high-end ingredients, it's not as good this green bean casserole with canned green beans, canned uh, cream of mushroom soup, and and a container of those fried mushroom or fried uh, onion things that go on the top. For some reason, it tastes so much better with the worst cheapest ingredients (laughs) possible uh, than if you try to order, we tried to order it from Whole Foods one, one year. And it was like fresh green beans and, and homemade, you know, rue and all this stuff. And it was just not the same. So that's green bean casserole with the, with the canned ingredients.
1: Dang, I, I I I was choosing between pumpkin pie and that. I just I just really wanted to get pumpkin pie on there. But my mom makes a great green bean casserole. So you definitely just stole a pick of mine. But that's OK. We'll bounce back. We'll bounce back here. Um, you know, i I'm looking at my plate. You know, I feel like I still need some, some meat, right? Like I don't have any meat here, uh, some protein on my plate. You know, I will say my, my wife's side of the family, they, they value their ham on Thanksgiving. So I got to go ham. I, I, ham is one of those meats I never eat except for the holidays. And so I kind of like it that way. Cause it's just, it, it, it's not, it's not a meat that you, you kind of get tired of ham. You know, I don't know, like, uh, you know, you can't eat it too much in my opinion, but thanksgiving on christmas you know a little uh, honey baked ham maybe or just a little you know brown sugar on it or something
0: yeah Excellent. also makes an elite sandwich uh, as as leftovers right or during the during the meal so i was hoping or i was assuming you were going to come back and go with the meat here uh so ron's got four of his five picks down um for my fourth pick i'll jump to my dessert and and this is something that i would have never thought that, I didn't think this was a traditional Thanksgiving dessert until I moved here to Des Moines, Iowa, where I live. Uh, 18 years ago, I moved up here. And for some reason, French silk pie is, Ooh, yeah. is, 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 is one of the go-to desserts up here. And, and you buy it, again, this is something you could make from scratch, and it could be great. But you, you go. To, there's one restaurant in town called Baker's Square. Uh, everybody buys their pies from there. There's a line, they have like an 18 wheeler outside full of pies and the line is down, you know, down the street. Uh, you have to reserve it weeks in advance. Uh, the French silk pie has uh, is, is become my new favorite dessert for, for uh, Thanksgiving.
1: That's so funny to say that because yeah, like French silk was mine growing up. And like, as I've matured, I've been like, I can't say that's my favorite pie anymore. Like that's <laughs> too basic. You know, it's, it's just chocolate, right? Like, of course it's someone's favorite pie. Like it's chocolate. It's great. I'm at least right, no, ten I mean, years older
0: than Ron, and clearly he's matured in his palate um, more than I have at this point.
1: No, I, I honestly, I, I will say, I'd, I'd rather have a French silk pie than pumpkin pie. Honestly, I, I, I think, I think, I think, I, I pumpkin pie is so good though. It's just, it's just, you got to have it. I think I would eat more pumpkin pie maybe than the French silk. I think yeah. French silk you can't eat as much of. That's so maybe right. that's, maybe that's where I'll stand on my stand you can my pass ground.
0: Pumpkin so. off as like a fruit or a vegetable, and, and be like, yeah, there's <laughs> something healthy here. All right, what's your what is your final pick of the twenty twenty three Thanksgiving Day food draft?
1: Well, I I figured I could get away with this, although I I was pretty risky um, because you know this is just a, such a go to dish. But my wife makes the best mac and cheese. I'm carbsing it up. I love me some carbs wow. on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Fatten me up. Put me put ten pounds on me. I want the carbs and mac and cheese. She 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 uh, you know uh, bakes it over or whatever. Um, different kinds of cheeses. It's amazing. And so, yeah, shout out the wife.
0: Wow. All right. Mac and cheese is something that I've rarely ever had on Thanksgiving, but I love a good mac and cheese as a side. It's a barbecue side for oh, me. Yeah. I mean, I almost always get it uh, at, at, with barbecue. Um, but my final pick might be a controversial one for some, but on some of these dishes, I've gone with the with the cheap stuff out of a can, um, this last one I'm going with the homemade version over the cheap stuff out of a can. Although both, in small quantities, uh, are key for any holiday meal. It's the cranberry. My wife makes a really good homemade cranberry sauce with like fresh cranberries and oranges and stuff in it. Uh, this this awesome. I don't hate the the one out of a can either though. When you can slide it out of the can and it still has like the rings around it, it looks like oh yeah. You know the shape of the can. That's that gelatinous, uh, uh, you know, sweet tangy, you know, touch that really rounds out the meal. Uh, I'm going with cranberry as Mister Irrelevant here
1: for the Thanksgiving dinner draft. The Ryan suck up, the Brock Purdy of this draft. Yeah, no, I, I feel good, Stags. I feel good about my plate. Um, You know, I am missing. You know, it's not as colorful as it needs to be, right? My mom always says, you know, you want your plate to be a little more colorful <laughs> than than this is. A lot of beige, a lot of uh. A lot of uh, uh, you know neutral colors, but uh, we'll we'll get some greens in there. You know, I, I should have said shout out greens. Uh, mm. I've, you know, I've, I've become a more cultured man since uh, since my marriage. So uh, <laughs> greens are fire. I love me some greens. I'll eat those all day. Yeah, um, yes, sir.
0: Well, this is a pretty good draft. I think even if you put these two teams together, you'd have an elite meal if you can get all the way through it. Uh, looking forward to a quiet Thanksgiving at home with the family. I hope all of you. Enjoy it, whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're traveling, you're cooking, you're having people over. Uh, hopefully, you're watching some football, being lazy, and, and eating an exorbitant amount of food uh, with, with healthy and happy family around you. Uh, you know, Best wishes for, for a fun holiday, and, and hopefully, uh, we'll get back on the winning streak uh, against the Raiders coming up. We won't do a big preview of the Raiders game. You know who the Raiders are. Uh, you know who the Chiefs are. It's really just a matter of getting this team to execute again, yep. the way they're capable of. Uh, so I feel like we can wrap it up right there, Ron. What do you think?
1: Yeah, Raiders are feisty. They're five and five. So uh, let's you know give them a little credit. They uh, they fired their coach already, though. So you know they're playing with that interim coach energy. But
0: there's something to be said for that. But uh, you know this team's yeah. a contender. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll get back on track. Hopefully, it's this week. Thanks for being with us today, spending some of your time with the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Sagner, Ron Cobb Jr., my guy. Appreciate you holding it down. We'll talk to you all next week.